Uh, I want to give you a, uh, a little story. It's a true story. And uh, I, just, I was just so amazed by this. I want to share it with you. And it's kind of a good lead-in uh, because we're talking about prayer, how God answers prayer. Matter of fact, for the last few services, Sunday morning and Wednesday night, we've been talking about prayer, prayer, uh, many facets of it. So this is a, an illustration about a true story about a lady who got a prayer answered. And I want you to listen to this. Brenda was a young woman who was invited to go rock climbing. And although she was scared to death, she went with her group to a tremendous uh, granite cliff. And in spite of her fear, she, was, she put on her gear and took hold of the rope and started up the face of the rock. Well, she got, she got to a ledge where she could take a breather. And she was hanging on there. The safety rope snapped against Brenda's eye and knocked out her contact lens. Somebody say, ouch. Yes. Well, here she was on the rock ledge with hundreds of feet below her and hundreds of feet above her. And, of course, she looked and looked and looked, hoping it had landed, that contact lens had landed on the ledge, but it just wasn't there. And here she was, far away from home. Her sight was blurry. She was desperate and began to get upset, and she prayed to the Lord to help her to find a contact lens. How many of you know a contact lens is going to be hard to find, especially when you're hanging on a cliff with 100 feet below and 100 feet above? When she got at the top, a friend explained, you know, examined her eye and, and her clothing for the, for the lens, but there was no contact lens to be found. She, de- she sat down, despondent, with the rest of the party, waiting for the rest of them to make it up to the face of the cliff. And then she looked across the range, after range of mountains, thinking of the Bible verse that says this, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And she thought, Lord, you can see all these mountains. You know every stone, every leaf, and you know exactly where that contact lens has landed. Please help me. Finally, they walked down to the trail to the bottom. And at the bottom, there was a new party of climbers just starting up the face of the cliff. And one of them shouted, hey, guys, anybody lose a contact lens? (laughs) Well, that wouldn't be startling enough. But you know how the climber saw it? An ant was moving slowly across the face of the rock carrying it. Now Brenda told that to her father who was a cartoonist. And when she told him the incredible story of the ant, the prayer, and the contact lens, he drew a picture of an ant lugging the contact lens with the words, Lord I don't know why you want me to carry this thing. I can't eat it, and it's awfully heavy. But if this is what you want me to do, I'll carry it for you. How many of you know we need to remember these words when we're asked to do something when we feel it's too heavy and we don't know why in the world God wants us to carry it? Come on, somebody. I don't know why you want me to carry this load, Lord, but I can see no good in it at all. It's awful heavy. But if you want me to carry it, I will carry it. How many of you know God answers prayer? And sometimes, you know, God's ways are so much higher than our ways. And we need to get on God's level, you know, and and begin to see 
things from God's perspective. So today we're going to continue part two of what we were talking about last week. Always pray and never lose hope. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just thank you this morning that we don't have to lose hope, that we have prayer, then we can go to you. And God, you're... Your eyes are upon us. Your ears are open to our cries. And Lord, you hear us. And you, Lord, you meet our needs. And I just pray, Lord, that our faith would begin to rise and grow in this service today. And, and Lord, that we would have that hope in you that we need, that we would not lose that hope. And, and we want to look to you for everything in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, in Job chapter 8 and verse 13, it's, it sums up what's wrong in the world, we said. I'm going to take about, about five minutes and give you a little, you know, flashback of what we talked about last week. You can't do it all. You'd have to go back and, and listen to it. But I'm going to give you some, uh, you know, one-liners. Bildad says, sums it up in one word, those who forget God have no hope. Somebody say amen. amen. Those who forget God have no hope. Now, what is real hope? Now, it, hope is not optimism. And we talked about, the Bible says there's three things that hope. I'm going to go, these pretty, go on with these pretty fast this morning, okay? So um, uh, go to the next one if you would. So hope is uh, not optimism. Go to the next one. So we see that there's three kinds of hope. We said the first one is a wishful hope, okay? We know what that is. So you're going down the road and you see the, the light and you're in a hurry and you're saying, I hope that light doesn't change. Now, it's just wishful hoping, wishful thinking, Okay. Uh, that's the first one. Then the second one, that is expected hope. Now, if you plant tomato seeds and you're expecting a crop, I hope it grows. Well, you, you've got a right. That, that, that's, that's a little further up. But then the third one is the one we really want to zero in on, and that's a certain hope. And the Bible talks about a person of hope. Certain hope has no doubt, it has the, and it is the anchor of our soul, and that's what we need. And then next, hope is, is based on God's word, not my wishes. Now, I can wish for things, and that's not really going to make a difference. How many of you know Jesus said men not always to what? Pray. So we have a, a right to pray. We have a reason to pray. Why? Because it brings hope. Hope brings faith. Faith brings our needs into existence, into our lives. We gave you 10 causes of hopelessness. And I want to give them to you, and I'm going to go through them real fast. So you know, maybe a one-liner that you can write down here or there. And the first one is when you feel alone. Everybody say feel alone. It's up there. When you feel alone, okay, or when you feel abandoned and you feel that for a long period of time that causes you to feel like hopelessness, okay? So when you feel alone, you feel abandoned. Number two, when life seems out of control. And sometimes that's the way it is, folks. Life just seems out of control and it's never going to change and you feel hopelessness about this in your relationship and my life and my habits. That's a feeling of hopelessness that we have because of that. Number three, when you don't see a purpose, you see, people can handle enormous amounts of pain as long as they realize that there's a purpose behind it. But if they see no purpose, you know, it, it, you know, it causes hopelessness. Number four, grieving a loss. And many of us have been there, okay? You've had a major loss or a series of major losses in your life. It's a sense of hopelessness. Number five, when you don't have what you need, you don't have the, the money or the energy or the things you need in life, there's a sense of hopelessness that comes with that. And number six, when you've done everything wrong, okay, or, or when you've done something wrong, I should say, this is a big one. A, a guilt begins to set in. It causes hopelessness and, and shame and all of those things. It, it, it regret. It causes hopelessness in our life. Number seven, 
when you've been deeply wounded by somebody uh, because of abuse or uh, maybe it might be physical or sexual or, or some other way, but it, it's there. You're deeply wounded. How many of you have been wounded before? Let me see your hands. I believe I'm in the right church. I've been wounded before, and I know how that is. And bitterness and resentment can set in, and it can pull you away from God. Instead of going to God, you get away from God because of that person or that situation or that whatever that is, and it causes you to go away from God. Number eight. When you're pulled in the wrong direction, okay? And that's temptation we talked about. Yeah, the, uh, you know, word for it, temptation. Being constantly being pulled in the wrong direction. Number nine, when you're hounded by fear and you're, you're frightened and you're, you're scared. When you're in, living in anxiety. And folks, I'll tell you today, people are living in, in anxiety more than any other time in history. And we see it all around us. And then number 10, we said, when it looks like you're defeated. You know, when you just feel like you're defeated and you feel like you're, you're not on the winning side, you're on the losing side and defeat is sure. When those things happen, there's a hopelessness that's inside of you. And let me tell you something. The only thing that's going to turn that around is when you can find hope. And then we, we gave you that, that scripture that Jesus and men ought always to pray and never lose hope. And that's what we're, there, there's, our, our message is about, that we don't need to lose hope. And let me tell you something, hope is the beginning of faith in your life. You, you might say, well, I don't really feel like I have the faith to do this. It's, because, it's probably because you don't have hope. See, hope needs to come there, and hope will come when you begin to pray. Everybody say pray. Pray brings hope. Hope brings faith. Faith brings the problem or the situation of your problem uh, answers in, of that into your life. And then we, we, we started going down the path showing you the antidote to all these th- things, okay? And uh, number one, uh, we talked about uh, the antidote is my loving father will never abandon me. My loving Father will never abandon me. Our Father which art in heaven. Folks, this is the way I start my prayers out. This is the way I've been praying for years. I'll continue that. Why? Because Jesus taught his disciples that way. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. They noticed that in Jesus' life there was something that was powerful, uh, something that, you know, God was answering his prayers. So teach us to pray the right way. How many of you know we need to pray the right way? Can you say amen? Now, here's the wrong way to pray. Uh, Lord, kill that sucker that just did something wrong to me. Now, that's the wrong way to pray. Can you say amen? Now, I move might have feel that way, but you can't pray that way. Come on, somebody, because God's not going to hear you. Come on, somebody, because God is a loving, heavenly Father. He cares about people. And, 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 and we get things twisted, and we get some stinky thinking going on up here. So we started out right. We start out right by saying, our Father which art in heaven. It brings relationship into it. Somebody say amen. amen. And we realize we, he never abandons it. Abandons it. It gives us hope. Number two, we said God's power is greater than any problem. And notice, hallowed be thy name. The, uh, the, the Bible teaches that there is a there's power in the name of Jesus and power in the name of God. Hallowed be thy name. And we need to understand that. Well, you know, you say, well, what does that look like? You know, when I'm praying, I said, Lord, I thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh, that you're my provider. See, when he said his name was Jehovah Jireh, it was a place in time when they needed something. And God said, I'm Jehovah Jireh. That means I will provide for you whatever you need. How many of you know he's Jehovah Jireh to you? He's Jehovah Rapha to you. That means that when the place when they needed healing, he says, I'm the healer. I'm Jehovah Rapha. Rapha means healing. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the healer. So he's your healer. So you You know, we need to understand that, and there's power. God's power is greater than any problem. Number three, that God fits everything into his plan. 
Thy kingdom come. This is the reason for hope that even my mistakes, my sins, my, 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 you know, whatever it may be, he fits into his plan in my life, okay? And you say, oh, how could that be? How could that be? How could that be? Remember Joseph? Joseph said, you, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. You know, you meant this for evil. Romans eight twenty eight. all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Not all things are good, but everything works together for good. So when we come to that place, we need to understand those words, thy kingdom come, and that's what we need to pray. How many of you know God's kingdom uh, many times is, is not uh, advancing in this world? Can you say amen? His kingdom is not advancing, but he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind here on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose here on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He gives us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys of revelation. Keys that open doors. Keys that lock doors. Come on, somebody. I want to lock the devil out and open the door and let God in. Come on, somebody. That's what I want in my life. And you can pray and those things can happen in your life. So we need to see that. And I believe that's where we stopped last week. Number four, when I'm grieving, when I've had major loss in my life, you know, here's what I need to remember. Number four, write this down. God has a greater purpose for my life. God has a greater purpose. God has a greater purpose. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is there any sickness in heaven? Is there any pain in heaven? Is there any disappointment in heaven? How many of you know we have a lot of it down here? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, this is the will of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to take your pain, whatever it may be, your mistakes, whatever it may be. And God wants to, uh, you know, get into your life. And God wants to turn things around. And God wants to do some great things in you. As I surrender uh, to that purpose, even when I don't understand the loss in my life or the situation in my life or the scenario, the circumstance that's happening around, I don't even understand what's going on. I can pray that prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, why do we pray that? Because God's will is perfect in heaven. Can I get a witness? God's will is perfect in heaven, but we don't see it and we don't feel it and we don't understand it. And it's surely not that way on earth. You know, we don't sense it. We don't feel that, you know, but, but, but it is. People say, well, you know, if God wants to heal me, he probably will. That's probably a saying you've heard me say many times. And the reason I say it it is, you know, if God wants to heal me, he probably will. I say, really? Really? Then why do we need to pray about anything if God's going to already do it? How many of you says, I know your needs, but he said, ask and it shall be. Seeking you shall. Knocking it shall be. See, there's a procedure that God wants to get you involved in this prayer thing and get you involved in getting the needs met in your life. God wants you to open your mouth. Come on, somebody. And, you know, we're not like a pig. We just don't get grunt. We can talk. Come on, somebody. And we can have a relationship with God. He is our heavenly Father. We can talk to him just like we're talking to our Father. It's a relationship. You know, it's a radical thing that Jesus said that day when he taught his disciples our Father which art in heaven, you know, hallow, you know and, and, and all of those things, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you would agree that this world is broken? Let me see your hands. It's broken. This world is broken. We have a sin problem. There's, the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. 
So we, you know, there's something to pay. You don't pay the piper. You're going to pay the piper. Let me tell you something. And death is in you unless you ask Jesus into your life. Somebody say amen. The world is broken because of sin. And God's will is done perfect in heaven, but it's not done perfect on earth. In fact, it's done uh, hardly seldom on earth. And that's why we have to pray. That's the reason God wants us to pray. Men ought always to pray and never lose hope. If God's will was always done, you wouldn't have to pray for it. Somebody say amen. If God's will was already done, you wouldn't have to pray for it, okay? Uh, Not everything that happens is God's will. Can I get a witness this morning? How many of you know it's not God's will for babies to be aborted in a clinic? Somebody say amen. That's not the will of God. But how many of you know it happens? But you know, you can pray and begin to change some of these things in life. It's not God's will for uh, people to be homeless and hungry and, and pain and all of those things. But how many of you know it's a fact of life? We know it happens. It happens all around us. And that's the reason we pray. And how, what can we do, Lord? And, and Lord, how can we be involved? That, that's why we pray thy will be done for God's greater purpose in our lives. Is it God's will, you, you know, we should say uh, uh, not to get along with people? No, it's God's will to get along with people, okay? So we pray that. Prayer gives us hope uh, that we so desperately need. Is it God's will for us, uh, for our loved ones to go to a devil's hell? We say no, to go to heaven. So that's the reason we pray for them. How many of you know that, how many of you have had a loved one you've prayed for that's given their heart to Jesus? Let me see your hand. I believe that that can happen in our lives. But it's not just going to happen like, well, I hope it does. Well, it's not going to. It's going to when you pray it does. Come on, somebody. It's going to when you begin to pray and you begin to ask God to turn things around. Listen to this, listen to this story. I'll give you another story. Brad, a serviceman, was hitchhiking near Chicago when a successful real estate broker, Lou uh, Masters, picked him up. True story. And as they were driving, Brad led the man to the Lord. Lou was so impressed that he gave Brad his card and he said that if he's ever in Chicago, you need to look me up. Five years later, Brad had an an opportunity to visit Chicago and, you know, he went to, to look up Lou, okay? Brad found out that the very day that he met Lou, he was killed in a car accident. You cannot believe the joy that Miss Masters felt after Brad told Miss Masters how he had met Lou, Miss Masters had been, uh, been a Christian for years and had prayed for Lou's salvation. And for five years, she thought Lou had died in his sins. But that guy had led him to the Lord on that day. Let me tell you something. You may think your prayers are not being answered, but God answers prayers. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not understand it. But God answers prayers. Somebody say Amen. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, my. Number five, when, I, when I'm worried and not have enough, and one of the ten causes us hopelessness, I need to remember this. God has promised to meet some of my needs. Most of my needs. God, all. Everybody say all. I looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means? All. In the Greek, it's all, too. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, my. I like that. Give us this day our daily bread. This is what he's told us to pray. Well, is it God's will to, to, to give me my daily bread? Well, he told us to pray that way. Surely it is if he said, told us to pray that way. 
God is saying, I want you to come to me for your needs, and I want you to pray, and I want you to pray daily. Everybody say daily. Why does he say that? Because God wants you to depend upon him on a daily basis. Folks, he didn't say on a monthly or an annually. Come on, somebody. Lord, just meet my annual income, you know, and pray a one prayer. No, 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 no. God wants to hear you throughout the, 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 the year. Somebody say amen. You don't pray January 1 and then again uh, uh, January 1 the next year for that year. No, you pray on a daily basis. God wants to hear you. God wants to hear you. Why? God wants you to depend on him day by day. And he says that God has promised to meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says since God loved us so much to send Jesus, won't he love us enough to take care of all our needs? And folks, I'm telling you, I don't know what you have need of this morning, but I believe some of you this morning, you need to just kind of, you know, pull up a little closer this morning and hear this because I believe God wants to meet your needs today. Somebody say amen. Amen. You may have emotional needs. You may have physical needs. You may have financial needs. You, You may, whatever those needs are, God is concerned about them and God wants to meet your needs. If you believe that, say amen. So God promised to meet all my needs and we can count on him for our daily bread and everything I need in life, physically, emotionally, financially. Remember in the Old Testament when, 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 when the children of Israel began to cry out to the Lord, we, know, we, we, we need food. And there was a lot of them. Some, some people say there was up to as many as three and a half million people. I don't know. I didn't count them. Come on, somebody. I'll take somebody's word for it. But there was a lot of people that was delivered out of Egypt, and they walked in the wilderness. And how many of you know, how many of you would like to have, go to the grocery store for those guys? Three and a half million of them. Somebody say, wow. So they prayed to God. And you know what God did? He rained out bread from heaven. Wonder bread fell from heaven. Come on, somebody. (laughs) It's wonder bread. And they went out the next morning and they looking on the ground and they said, what is it? What is it? That's where we get the word manna. <laughs> manna. <laughs> it's manna. Oh, God supplied bread. And every day, everybody say every day, there was fresh, hot bread ready to be buttered. Come on, somebody. But you know what some of, the, some of them did? They had hoarders in those days. Oh, we don't have hoarders today, do we? You ever seen a hoarder? If you go up on someone's front porch area there and they look like they're having a garage sale all the time, probably a hoarder. Probably a hoarder. So they hoarded this stuff up. <laughs> One guy, he filled his tent full of manna, manna up to here. And the next morning, there was the stinkingest, foulest smell you've ever. Oh, what is that? It spoiled through the night. Come on, somebody. And they had to get all that rotten manna out. What was God teaching them? I want you to pray to me on a daily basis. I want you to seek me on a daily basis. Come on, somebody. We need to pray on a daily basis. Come on, somebody. Oh, my. Oh, my. Number six, when I feel guilty, when I feel uh, full of remorse and regret. Number six, Jesus 
died to pay for all that I've done. Forgive us our sins, and I am forgiven. Somebody say amen. Uh, you, know, you know, we're to pray, forgive us our sins. How many of you know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? And, and folks, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm searching sometimes when I'm praying that. And I'm saying, God, I, I don't know. I, and, and how many of you know there's sins of commission, sins of omission? How many of you know sometimes we do things and we don't even realize we've done things? You ever went by someone and someone said, well, he just walked by me and didn't even shake my hand. Some of you might have said that about me. I don't know. I'll have my mind somewhere else, and he's thinking, well, I think he's mad at me. Did you see the face he had? <laughs> Can we be a little facetious this morning? Jesus died to pay for all that I've done wrong. Forgive us our sins. Even the stuff that we haven't done yet. Lord, forgive me my sins. The Bible says, little ones, sin not. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. As we walk in the light, walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, help me out, cleanses us from all sins. Little ones, sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate. We have a go-between. We have a lawyer. We have a high priest, Jesus, that's sitting at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. And he says, that one's mine. That one's mine. That one's mine. That one's mine. And I hear this one, and I hear that one, and I hear that one. Come on, somebody. Woo. Number seven, when I've been hurt, and people have hurt me deeply, when I've been wounded, when I've been judged wrongly. Come on, somebody. When I've been misunderstood, when I've been wronged unfairly. Number seven, write this down. God will settle the score someday. Oh, hallelujah. You don't need to be Rambo. Come on, somebody. You don't need to be Johnny Rambo. Come on, somebody. I'm going to get that sucker. No, 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 no. Let God do it. As we forgive others. As we, help me out, forgive others. Oh, about 60% of you are in on this. As we forgive others, we forgive. But you don't know what they did to me. Really? Do you think he knows what they did to you? See, I didn't say it, he did. We're to forgive others. How many of you want to be forgiven? Come on, let me see your hands. Am I in the right church? Well, 70, about 70% of you do. Go like this to the person beside of you, will you? I think somebody's about half asleep, huh? (laughs) How many of you want to be forgiven? You know the key to forgiveness? Forgiving others. If you won't forgive, he won't forgive. Well, you say, I just can't forgive him. Well, I'm I'm sorry, then you're doomed. Because if you can't forgive, he's not going to forgive you. But if you'll forgive, he'll forgive. Come on, somebody. What a deal. That's a good deal. People don't just get away with stuff. God says, one day I'm going to settle the score. He says, your job is to forgive and my job is to judge. Let's let God be the judge. It's not your job to judge others. It's God's job. Some of you are bucking for God's job all the time. Come on, somebody. I'm on God's job. I, I think I could do a better job. I, I think I could do a better job than God. I could judge him right now. I, I could. 
That's the reason you're not God. You would. It'd be be lightning striking all over the place. Come on, somebody. Man, got a thousand of them killed right here in Dayton. You know, lightning striking all over the place. You know why? Because he judged fairly. I said he judges fairly. I want someone to judge fairly. Can you say amen? Judge me fairly. Judge, judge, and, and God is. He's honest. I want to show you one verse. Romans 12, 19. You might want to write that down. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God, and I'll take care of you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'll do the judging. I'll take care of you. That's what God says. We're to do the forgiving. God says, I'll do the judging. You do the forgiving. You forgive them, I'll judge them, okay? I'll take care of it. They're not going to get away with this. And, and we need to know that we can count on God to do that. Somebody say amen. amen. Number eight, when I feel powerless to break through to those temptations and keep messing up, when I feel like I cannot actually get free from the habits and the hurts and the hang-ups. Something bad is always causing my downfall. I re- need to remember this. Number eight, God has promised to help me. God has promised to help me. I need God's help. How many of you need God's help? Here it is. God promised to help me. He says, pray, lead us not into temptation. Lord, I, I, don't leave me there, Lord. I, don't lead me into temptation. But let me, let me give you this verse. Write this down. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's one of the first verses I, I, I think I ever memorized. I, I just love it. I love it. I'm going I'm to read it in a little different version here today. It, 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 you know, as a matter of fact, somebody asked me this week, you know, Pastor, what, what's a good Bible to read? I, you know what? I would get one that you understand, a living Bible or something along those lines, you know. Uh, if, you're, if you like the King James, at least get the new King James. Come on, somebody. Take the these and thous out. You know, to, where you can understand it. Everybody say, understand it. When you read something, you need to understand it. And here's the thing. If you're a new Christian, start with the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's, that's one of the books that I tell you God will just begin to speak to you. Stay in the New Testament to get to the place where you just feel like you need to go but to the old. Come on, somebody. And please stay away from those begot this one and begot that one. You'll be gotten out of there if you don't, you know. Lead us not to temptation. Here's the scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. So here's, here's the bottom line. When you're tempted, God will show you a way out. God will show you a way out. As a matter of fact, with the temptation, he'll make a way for your escape. King James says it that way. I really like the way he puts that. And with the temptation. In other words, the very same thing that the enemy is going to try to destroy you with or put you down, God says that's going to be your ticket to get out of there. With, the, with that temptation, I'm going to make a way for your escape. And you can get away from that temptation. So I break through the things that are messing up my life and my witness. Number nine. When I feel threatened, when I feel anxious, when I feel afraid, when I feel frightened and scared of the forces that's all around me, write this one down. Jesus in me is greater than any power. Here's what the Bible says. Deliver us from evil. 
The Bible says, greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. How many of you know we got the greater one in us? And when you understand the full implications of that phrase there, you're going to, you're going to be a lot more confident that God is with you. And if God's with you, who can be against you? That's what the Bible says. And greater is he that's within you. Deliver us from evil. The fact is, greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. And most Christians do not practice this on a daily basis. How many of you have ever been afraid? Let me see your hands. And I've, I've been there too. I'll leave both of them. I'll even lift a leg. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's like, oh, man, I've been anxiety all around me. It's like, oh, my, 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 my. But then when I begin to get in my prayer closet and I begin to get intimate with God and I begin to pray and I begin to realize who he is and who I am. Come on, somebody. Who you are, who I am. Come on, somebody. And he loves me. Come on, somebody. And he's greater than anything around me. When I begin to think like that and begin to see that, folks, it does wonders. If we really believe that, that greater see this within me, we wouldn't have the fears that we have. We wouldn't have the fears. Finally, the, 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 the ten causes of hopelessness is a feeling of defeat. You hear it all the time. We're going in the wrong side of history. You know, Christianity has never been on the right side of history. Come on, somebody. Uh, and, and, and it started when the Romans were nailing us to the cross. It's been, it's been on the, the, the wrong side of history. Now, let me just say this. Those professing Christianity today, 2.3 billion. A third of the population of the world claim to be Christians. Can you imagine what would happen if they'd all step up to the plate and be counted? Come on, somebody. Now, they've got different levels on a scale to 1 to 10. You know, there's all kinds of things there. But I'm just talking about people that say Christian, uh, you know, a third of the population of the world. Yeah, get out of the closet. That's right. Yeah, you got, you got, that's right. And, and they're shamed or whatever it may be. So when it looks like defeat and it looks like evil is winning, I need to remember this. Write this down. This is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. History is his story. It's B.C. It's A.D. In other words, history is Jesus' story. Come on, somebody. People can vote this way, they can vote that way, they can do this thing, they can do that thing. And cultural, you know, it can rise and crumble, but it's not the end of the story. Let me tell you something, there's been a lot of things and a lot of people that's tried to just, you know, crush out Christianity. But you know what's happened? It's made it grow even more. In the fires of temptation, in the fires, fiery trials that the church has went through is when the church began to grow. When the church really began to grow and take place. That's when Nero began to, you know, come against the Christians and was killing Christians left and right, and the church really began to grow. And here's the, here's the statement. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Somebody say amen. amen. So one day, he's going to wipe away every tear. One day, he's going to wipe away all the pain. One day, he's going to take care of all the problems. Amen. Folks, when we pray, there's a reason for hope. Somebody say Amen. How many of you have a hope of a resurrection this morning? Oh, hallelujah. When this, when this body has enough and it can't take anymore. And one day I may be just walking along and all of a sudden this body falls over. Let me tell you something. Oh, man, I'm going to be doing a dance glory to God. 
that body of clay does not have me anymore. And be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Come on, somebody. Oh, think about it. We have hope of a resurrection. We have hope of healing. We have hope uh, uh, when we're hurting. We have hope uh, for the homeless. We have hope for the lonely. We have hope for the mental illness. Come on, somebody. Can I interrupt? I have a praise report. And this seems like a really good time because the kids prayed for Stephanie. Good. Um, they found a tumor in Stephanie, and they thought they were going to have to operate tomorrow. And we prayed that there would be no tumor, there would be no surgery. Um, there no, there, yeah. They're not going to have surgery, and she might get to go home today. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Okay. Give it up for Tracy. <laughs> Woo! All right. I, I, have a, I have a scripture. I have a scripture. Let's go to the next one. Here, I want you to look at this next, next one this morning. The scripture we're going to put up there. Here it is. What we need to do is stop listening to your feelings and start listening to the promises of God. How many of you would agree that your feelings will fool you? Here's a scripture, Isaiah 43, 2. When you go through the deep waters and great troubles, I will forsake you. Oh, did I read it wrong? Just checking, just checking, make sure he's up there. When you go through the deep waters and great troubles, help me out, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, help me out, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, help me out, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, help me out, for I am the Lord your God. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. We have hope in God. We can have our hope in God. Hope of a resurrection. Hope of healing. Hope of those things that God wants us to have. Stop listening to your feelings. Folks, your feelings will fool you. One lady woke up one morning. She said to her husband, I don't feel married. He looked on the wall. He said, but you are. There's the license. You are married. We, we married. You may not feel like a Christian, but if you've asked Jesus in your heart, you are. Hello. See, your feelings will fool you at times. I, I'm not saying that feelings always, you know, sometimes feelings are good. Sometimes I feel the Lord, sometimes I don't. But that doesn't mean the Lord's not with me because I don't feel him. Sometimes I feel like heaven and sometimes I feel like. (laughs) But how many of you know always God's with me? I said always God's with me. So your feelings may fool you, but God's always there. I heard one of my mentors when I first started preaching and going through some things in life. And How many has ever had a tough time? Let me see your hand. You know, how many a trial, a temptation, whatever? He said for over a year, he said, I didn't feel God. I just felt I didn't feel God. And he said, God, I don't feel you. I don't feel you. I don't feel you. 
Well, first of all, I've got, I, I, I've got, you know, something for you to think about. It's not feelings anyway. Somebody say amen. We don't base this thing on feelings. We base it on the fact of God's word. And that's right. And the word of God said, what does God's word say? He said, for a year, I got up. And he said, I put my Bible down and I stood on my Bible. And he said, God, I don't feel anything, but I'm standing on the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will abide forever. And that's what I'm standing on. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning.